back to another beautiful Sunday morning, everybody. I'm your host, and as you may have noticed, my voice is a lot clearer today. Uh, last episode, I was battling a little bit of a sickness. My nose is a bit runny. Thankfully, all of that should be resolved, so don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, a couple of changes, and I might have mentioned this last episode, but one, the document uh, got so big that I eventually just gave up and split the whole thing into four separate documents. So at the time of writing, we're currently on part two, which is Dying Sunrise. I am working towards the end of the book as we speak. So working through this now, and even even then, it still like takes a good bit to load. Uh, I do prefer sometimes writing on my iPad just because it's a little bit faster and it's able to hold everything a lot more easily. The problem with my computer is, while it's faster and it's easier for me to use, it's not the best when it comes to either battery life or uh, whatever else is happening. So what I do need to get done is figure out a proper solution for that. But glad you all have been sitting through this i'll be honest uh we're really ramping up the action and we'll we'll be at the end soon enough i promise chapter 13 risky arrangements Seated high above the fiery pits of wrath, past the cruelty and true suffering that hell offered, the shining envisionment of such a dark, dreary landscape, Avery sat on his boss's throne, fiddling with the chords on his guitar. The deadly tool was fashioned to serve as a weapon and an instrument of destruction, though he believed that both could be classified as fatal, given his perspective. Avery adjusted the rose-gold braces on his arms, and kicked his boots up on the throne's armrest, sighing contentedly. The throne itself was everything to be proud of. Sharp spikes, skulls, sinner's bones, everything that you would envision from someone who rules over such a deadly sinner's wrath. Even the walls themselves were dark, caked in ash, dust, and blood. The portraits that hung from the walls were menacing and violent, extending out as if to grab you from every portrait and angle. Avery closed his eyes, but not before the doors to the throne room slammed open, and Azazel strode through. Avery sat up and knelt at the throne, laying his guitar down like a deadly weapon on display. Lord Azazel, good to see you again. Azazel kicked back on his throne, shifting a toothpick into his mouth, only for the pick to combust the moment it left his pocket. So, I trust you kept everything safe over here while I was gone, he asked, shifting comfortably into the throne of bones and tattered leather. Avery nodded and leaned over on his weapon. You betcha. There was the usual screaming, pleading for mercy. One guy tried to escape, so I split his back in two. Ah, that sort of stuff. Azazel nodded and looked out over the flaming fields of wrath, which extended far beyond his view. Ah, I love my job. You know, Avery, people assume that I'm the real bad guy of hell. But personally, I leave that to my contract siblings. See, here's the perspective no one else has. Azazel laughed, and eh, motioning with his hands. See, wrath, the way I envision it, the way that I see it all, is actually quite the nicest sin to govern over. 
Because sure, you have places like Gluttony, which... Okay, they do have a pretty decent reputation, but come on! Like, Wrath is clearly one of the less powerful when compared to all of the rest of them. And if you need any more proof, this is Osted, snapping his fingers to reveal a portal open to the living world. I think you'll find quite everything you need there to be exactly as I say it is. Avery peered through the mirror, watching as society slowly began to unfold before him, before the mirror snapped shut and Azazel laughed once again, wiping a molten tear from his eye. Ah, what wonderful memories. Anyways, let's see how our goons are doing. Avery sat forward, intrigued. Goons? When did you dispatch them? he asked. Azazel took the chance to slap Avery on the back and point to his iPad, which monitored the seven plateaus of Hell's Continent. Oh, come on, dipshit. You were there when we did this. I dispatched seven teams, one group of twelve in every sin. Avery nodded, recalling a faint mumbling of such a thing. Ah, yes, I remember. But don't you need permission to enter your troops, you know, there and there? He asked, pointing to the different sins. But the Lord of Wrath only laughed harder and shook his head. Ah, that's the beauty of it all. You see, these princes and princesses, these beautiful contract siblings of mine, so they don't technically know about these troops that I've sent out, so uh, call it a tactical win in our book. Avery nodded, looking over the response teams. Hmm. So this way we can cover ground faster. Azazel nodded and then stopped, shifting to turn the map off, and he tucked it hastily away from prying eyes. Avery, confused, leaned in to ask why, but as he did, the doors to the foyer were opened once again, and Morpheus strode through. Strapped up to a behemoth of an H2O tank beneath his cloak, walking into the charcoal-coated castle, Morpheus removed his hood, revealing the metallic breathing apparatus on his face and the steel-blue pirate's hat. <sighs> Well, thank God above that this flame-resistant seal worked. Otherwise, I'd likely not be here right now. As Morpheus inspected the burnt and damaged flags and paintings that barely covered the walls, Azazel leapt from the railing above and landed in front of the octopus king on the floor, spreading a fire and flames into his wake. Your Highness, what brings the great scourge of the seas to my domain? Morpheus stood a bit taller and huffed, pulling aside his cloak and letting a drape cross the wall to his left, hanging over a suit of fiery, scratched, and charred armor. Humility does not suit you, Matchstick. I've come to ask a favor of you. Avery grinded down the opposite railing, sending sparks cascading onto the floor. He hit the ground in a shower of embers and stood up, swinging his weapon around onto his shoulder. Ah, Morpheus, I see you've perfected your new breathing apparatus. Morpheus directed his attention to the young assistant, and smiled warmly, despite his internally clammy features. Thank you, Avery. Yes, I've discovered a new vacuum seal that keeps the heat out, but pulls water from the air through oxygen and hydrogen in the tank. Azazel waved his minion away, and stepped into the conversation, stepping to. Okay, okay, ignoring the geek show. What's so important that it requires you to lump yourself out of your world and up into mine? Morpheus grumbled, but removed a blueprint from his gauntlet, laying it out on the table. This was something I had sent to Lucifer prior to the hunt, but it appears he hasn't been too eager to use it. And besides, this was always something I desired to keep secret. Azazel looked over the complicated design, but his dark black eyes focused mostly on the main picture. The blueprint illustrated the outline of the Sin Hunter, but filled with complex designs and weird mechanical gunk. Aha. Uh -huh. Hey, could you perhaps lower the IQ bar in here? It's not that I don't get it, just walk me through what my role in all this is. Morpheus, surprised at the familiar intellect, nodded and cleared his throat. Uh, oh, I see. 
<laughs> well, if you must know, Morphe said, tapping a buttons on his gauntlet to pull up a screen. This is from the raw footage I pulled from security cameras with sightings of our new and improved Sinhunter. While your foot soldiers have been patrolling my streets to no avail, I decided to get fancy, and I've constructed a new project. This is not something I will be revealing to the press nor public, and my very sharing this with you could be a certain end to my career. I need you, Azazel, to give this design some good combat mechanics. Azazel looked over at Avery, and then shrugged. Uh, okay. Why didn't you go take this up with Satan? She's usually good at recording battle tactics and strategies. Hell, if I know, she's probably the best fighter of all of us. Morpheus sighed and put his hands down on the battle scar table. Well, that's the problem. Satan isn't usually out and about, he said, scratching his breathing apparatus with one steeled hand. So that forces me to rely more on my more available siblings. And if I'm being honest, Azazel, Morpheus said, looking up from the blueprint to stare at the fiery Lord of Wrath, you're the second most efficient ruler in hell. At least you try to show up. Azazel looked down at Avery and then nodded. Well, hell needs a reputation to make up for that cruddy thing Gluttony has going on. Morpheus rolled up the blueprint and tucked it away under his cloak, standing up again. <sighs> so, you can have the blueprints and recordings sent to me soon? Azazel nodded, his eyes winking. Ah, don't you worry one hair on your cold, clammy chin, big guy. I'll send you the stuff right away. Morpheus nodded and dusted off his hat. Well, I'd better be off. Thank you both for the warm welcome. Avery laughed softly and strode around the table to shake the aquatic monarch's hand. Anytime, Lord Morpheus. It's always a wonderful surprise to see here in Wrath, and I assume that pun was entirely intended? Morpheus opened the doors back out into the blistering flame and suffering in the land of storms and fire. Yes, I did, Avery. Thank you both, and good day. As soon as Morpheus left the castle, closing the doors shut behind him, Azazel stopped his cheery mood and turned to the map on his desk, singeing the tips of the paper. This... I can do this, absolutely. What I want to know is how did he know about my foot soldiers? He grumbled, staring intently at the map. Avery leaned forward and looked down at the map. Uh, maybe because they're all wearing black and orange against blue and white? Azazel turned this time and more gently smacked Avery on the head. Oh, shut up. Seated atop the mound of films, coastlines, and nightclubs, Asmodeus kicked back in her throne, which swiveled around to gaze out at the entirety of her domain. As she sighed, taking in the natural splendor of lust, Charlie, her assistant, entered through the doorway into her throne room, which was luxuriously draped in purple silk and adorned with pink rose petals. <sighs> Only you could pull off something this extravagant, Asmodeus. The Lady of Lust turned around behind her desk, and her shape swirled from a form of anyone you might see on the street to a scarlet red fox, which flipped her tail up and around her neck like a scarf. Why, thank you, Charlie. How are my agents doing in the field? Charlie adjusted his clipboard and flipped through the many papers listing. Ah, uh, we're hitting record-breaker numbers now. Your work with both the living world and hell has put you well above your other siblings. Asmodeus clapped her hands and spun once more in her chair, giggling all the while. Ah, I just love it when a plan goes so well. Truly one of my favorite forms of satisfaction. Asmodeus stood up from her throne and walked over with clicking heels to look out over the city skyline, before shifting focus to the coastline farther away. Well, besides my personal favorite, mind you, she said, turning with a seductive glance to her assistant. Charlie rolled his eyes and walked over to his boss's desk, amused by the theatrics. That sounds like the usual you. Oh, by the way, uh, how's the sin hunt going? Asmodeus turned, confused for a moment. Sin hunt? 
Oh, yes, that. Nah, we'll leave it up to the rest. Now it was Charlie's turn to be confused. Uh, excuse me? Need to remind you, Asmodeus, whoever brings the Sin Hunter to Lucifer gets his respect. Yes, I'm aware. But tell me, Charlie, Asmodeus said, spinning around to reveal nine more tails spring out from behind. Why should I, the most powerfully attractive of my siblings, need to lift a finger? I'll just let them do all the heavy lifting, then sweep through and snatch him up for ourselves. Charlie stepped back, a bit concerned, but surprised at the um, theatrics. Right, but what if- Oh, please, Charlie, as Moody said, leaning down to stare face to face with her assistant. You think too little of your superior. Give this plan time. I promise you, it will work. Charlie, a bit more calm now, shrugged the conversation off and took his leave from the room leaving the reports on his boss's desk. Ah, okay then. I'll be around if you need me with anything. As Charlie left the room, Asmodeus returned to her seat, couldn't, can't help but smile. Oh, trust me, she said, her sparkling amethyst eyes flashing in the overhead light from her chandelier. You will.